Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hey, hey, Rush Nation, we're back in your ears with our guest show of this week. And we've got a slight bonus on top of today's guest. We're doing a bit of video work for the boys over at All32, and we are joined in the studio today by Lee. Lee, welcome to the studio, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. It's great to be here. It's a very impressive studio, even better than seeing the pictures on Twitter. Well, we're pleased, we're pleased. And as always, the big man is to my left. Murph, how are you doing? It's good. It's uh, it's 4th of July today, so uh, amazing. Uh, for When I live there, I've got some American family, so happy 4th of July to them. We would be commiserating, but we got our pasting by the Americans two days ago in football, so <laughs> it's almost like a doubly uh, sad and somber affair, but we're in the semifinals of the Cricket World Cup, so you know, let's take small victories and uh, raise those red coats from the ashes. Absolutely. So today's guest, Rush Nation, is Ryan McDowell. He's Dynasty writer, he's an innovator, he's commissioner, he's at Dynasty Live Football, at Roto World, at Dynasty Scouts, at Dino Blueprint Podcast, and Commission Impossible Podcast with Scott Fish. That was a lot of ats. I apologise if you didn't get them all, but they will all be in the show notes. Ryan, welcome to Five Yard Rush. Happy 4th of July. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm glad to be on with you guys. Yeah, that, that was a lot of ads. I need to maybe maybe clear some of those out, but glad, glad to be on with you guys today. Oh no, thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate your time. I suppose we'll just start with fantasy football and how did you get into talking about fantasy football, football for a living? Sure. So uh, actually, it, this is not my full-time job. I wouldn't say I do it for a living. I'm also a uh, an elementary school teacher. So this is this is just the side hustle, but it it definitely keeps me busy. Um, no, I started started playing dynasty football. Um, I guess oh, probably about fifteen years ago now, something like that. And about ten years ago, became active on Twitter. I just really 
you know, really stayed active kind of in that fantasy football community on Twitter and uh, the guys from DLF from dynasty league football reached out and offered me a writing position and, and really it, it grew from there and it became a podcast and some work for Roto world and, and things like that. So uh, basically I would just say it all kind of came from being an active part in the community. I think being part of the community, we always say being part of the community is cool, but if you're active in it, just the doors it opens and the people you get to meet is amazing. Yeah. And that's just speaking to uh, Scott Bogman, who trolled us for talking about communities, saying that we take our community and do girly things with them on the the Fantasy Bad Book podcast. <laughs> yeah. And actually, he called me the recruiter. Yeah. Stung slightly. I mean, it, I'm not going to lie. It did have some parallels to, uh, say, 1930s, 1940s Central Europe. <laughs> We're not about Let's that. Clarify that. So, Ryan, who's your NFL team, and why do you support them? Uh, this is this is a, a weird one. I think uh, I actually don't have a team. I um, I did not grow up a a fan of the NFL or a football fan in general. Really, uh, I, I casually followed it. I was I was a big sports fan overall, but uh, football was was probably third or fourth on that list. American football, I guess I should say, was third or fourth on that list and didn't even have a, a favorite team. I'm geographically somewhat close to Cincinnati, to Indianapolis. So I, I like to see those teams do well, but certainly not a diehard fan. I, I am a fan of the University of Kentucky. So uh, really love Randall Cobb. Uh, so I've, I've found myself cheering for the Packers a little bit during his time with uh, with them. I, I don't know if I can transfer that to the Cowboys. We'll <laughs> We'll see how 2019 goes. I was literally just going to ask you if you're now a Cowboys fan because of that, but you managed to swerve that bullet really well. (laughs) We should also ask Lee, you know, people who know you from All32 and Rush Nation know who you support, but who's your team and why? Um, I'm a Dolphins fan. So I've been a Dolphins fan since about 2005, really by accident. Actually, I almost was a a Bucks fan along with Murph. And uh, my flight got changed and I got sent out to Miami instead. And that was the... uh, the end of that. I saw them get beat by Michael Vick and the, the Falcons. But unfortunately, a lifelong a, a bond started. Nice. It just literally on the change of a flight then. I love that. Brian, I've got to ask because it's uh, 4th of July. What are the, what are the big 4th of, July, uh, 4th of July plans for for you and the family? Is it barbecue, fireworks? What, what are you doing for it? Yeah, yeah, all the above. Uh, my, my son, my youngest son is... Uh, suddenly uh, terrified by fireworks we we just got back from disney world and of course there's there's fireworks there each uh each night so we found out how frightened he is of fireworks so we'll we'll probably try to limit that part but we'll uh we'll hang out hang out around the pool with with some friends and family and and barbecue and things like that i love it Dis- disney world uh, orlando yes yep i used to work there no, you didn't. Uh, uh, do you not know this? No. Oh, okay. I, I used to work there. Uh, so I lived in Orlando, Ryan, for five and a half years, and it was one of my first jobs. Uh, I worked there on the churro stand in uh, Magic Kingdom. Yes. And then I stepped in for a shift to dress up as Goofy because I was the only guy on shift who could fit into the costume and <laughs> subsequently lost my job that day. Wow. Oh. <laughs> You lost a job for taking over as Goofy. Yeah, literally, it's the only <laughs> job I've ever been fired from. Um, Were you that bad? I, I basically, Florida, in the summer, 100 degree weather. In a Goofy suit. In a Goofy, goofy suit. suit. 
went to go get some water and they have these lines which are out of sight of the public and when you cross a certain line that's when you're out of full view of the the, the general public i mistook <laughs> a line for something else in the ground oh those poor children and took my helmet off and i think someone reported me anyway came up and seen i was told not to come back and i lost my original job as well so <laughs> oh no <laughs> so this was a long time ago this must have been about 17 16 years ago so um you know yeah it was about 17 years ago so it's a long time but yeah it's the only job i've ever been actually fired from <laughs> in my life i can't believe i know somebody who's been in a disney suit yeah they're not comfortable little also trick is that well this might have changed so um my girlfriend at the time was both chip and dale because they couldn't find two people to wear the suit so she alternated so you never saw chip and dale at the same time there, there must be conspiracy theories on forums <laughs> that's, that's, that's groundbreaking right there <laughs> mind blown go back to the early 2000s and uh yeah there you go i'm glad facebook wasn't around then that's all i'm saying uh that some poor soul has to have a, we've massively got off topic ryan i'm so sorry it's no that's okay i i, I love the disney talk uh, fair enough fair enough well i have not been a disney character and i think it's a lot harder these days to get into a suit so what did you uh what did you check out at, at, at disney what did you what did you do when you were down there with the family um we we try to do as much as we can of course it's uh we typically go every year so my um like my youngest son is is six, and this was his his sixth trip. So we, I feel like we've at some point pretty much done it all. But this this year, um, Toy Toy Story Land was new for us. We had not done that yet, um, so that was that was probably the kids' favorite. That's awesome. Talk, talking of Toy Story, has anybody seen it? No. Yes. Oh, yes. okay. So without ruining it, oh, Ryan's seen it as well. Sorry, Ryan, you you were in slightly late, so Lee got the Sorry. buzzer on that one. <laughs> it, is it any good? I enjoyed it. Me and the wife saw it together. Um, there's no shame. Like we grew up with the original, so yeah. there's no we had, shame. We had it. to see it. It was. It, it was. Never, we were never going to miss it. Um, yeah, we both enjoyed it. Yeah, had a good time. And how about you, Ryan? How did you find Toy Story? Yeah, we we liked it as well. And apparently, this is like the definitive end. They could have finished it at three, but they went on to four, and this is it. That's how I took it. Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah, I mean, th- there's maybe a door to, to do another one, but I think if they left it right here, you'd be satisfied that the story was was done. Well, Ryan, any chance to go to Universal Studios at some point, or have you done that as well? No, we've actually never done that. We we always just stick with Disney. So my my older kids are starting to become uh, you know more Harry Potter fans. So I, I think eventually we will we will try that out, but we haven't yet. Amazing. Universal Studios there is incredible. Uh, I can testify to that because my high school was directly opposite Universal Studios. And is that where you moonlighted Hagrid? (laughs) (laughs) It was just opposite. I'm just saying that I used to sit in maths class. We used to have um, porter cabins as temporary structures for classes because they clearly, they built the high school in the late 80s. And then obviously the the area grew massively populated. So rather than build loads of new structures, they basically just got a load of porter cabins and it's Florida and it's hot. So ventilation's good in porter cabins. So you'd sit out in them and then you could just hear the screams from the Jurassic Park ride when you're sitting in maths. Basically it meant I didn't go to fifth or sixth period all that often because I'd always be over at Universal. 
The stuff I've learned today about you, Murphys. <laughs> Florida is a surreal place. It's not. It, it's it's quite. A, it's weird. It's like an artificial sort of place, especially if you go to like Celebration. I'm sure you've probably been there, Ryan. It's yes. It's a. Uh, it, it it's just there's so many places it's just unlike anywhere in the world so you, you just get these distractions that just nobody else would ever ever have so ryan my next question is generally what advice would you give to listeners who want to talk about their passion whether it be football soccer or whatever but do you have any advice for people who want to go to disney no no i'm joking i'm joking um <laughs> yeah so we ask this to everybody and everybody's answer is always different which we massively enjoy and that is what advice would you give to our listeners who want to talk about their passion and, and how to get involved. Yeah, for me, it just goes back to being an active part of the community. When, when I started playing fantasy football, uh, I, I found myself to be the, the most active player in my league. So that was a, you know, a group of 12 or uh, a, a, obviously a small uh, amount of people. And then I found uh, the, the Football Guys Forum and, and we're looking at a much larger group and, and I was very active on there as well. And uh, kind of became, um, I don't know, I guess just developed a reputation as, as far as just being active and, and hopefully uh, knowing what I was talking about. And then I already mentioned kind of the, the move to Twitter when I, when I started using that platform and, and that's really how things grew. So uh, obviously I think most people are familiar enough with Twitter to know that uh, it's, it's a huge, it is a huge platform and, you can kind of find different corners for whatever your passion is, if it's sports or if it's uh, entertainment or politics or or whatever it might be, there are uh, people talking about it in in a community there. That's pretty cool. And it's just, it is such an amazing community. We, you know, we've been more and more active over the last sort of nine to 12 months. And it's so amazing to to talk to people. And, you know, I always have, I've been a little weary of of Twitter, of Twitter at times because obviously you get people that just say and do silly things and can get embroiled into debates about things that don't matter or take things the wrong way. Um, but the one thing I find with the fantasy football community is that 99.99% of the people in there are just genuinely some of the nicest people you could ever speak to who are so generous with their time and and are really good with what they do on Twitter in terms of sharing information and actually have a lot of humor of it as well. You, you yourself, Ryan, are a pretty great follow on, on Twitter. You have a nice balance of humor and uh, relevant information to share. And it's, you know, it's, it's really nice to, to sort of follow you and, and the, a lot of the communities like that as well. So it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Ryan, we, um, we would want to talk to you a little bit about the, the Scott fish bowl. Uh, we've talked about it with our listeners. There's a lot of people here in the UK that maybe aren't, uh, overly familiar with it there's not been loads of uh british players there's been a few uh ben rolf and tim jabalowski for example that have played over the last few years and uh, uh neil dutton has played over the last few years as well but talk to our listeners about what the you know what exactly is the scott fishbowl and how you became to be uh, a part of it uh sure I, and i also just throw in a, a couple of my co-workers over at dynasty league football james simpson and uh tom kislingberry both both of those guys are based in london and uh and, and i know they're they're longtime participants in the scott fishbowl as well uh but the the sfb sfb9 as it's as it's known this year is basically a a very large fantasy football league. It's it was designed to be kind of a pro am. So you've got some some industry folks 
uh, some writers and, and podcasters and things like that. And then you've got just fans, just your, your typical fantasy players who might not write for a side or do a podcast, but they're, uh, they're dedicated fantasy players. And uh, SFB is a mix of those. It was, it was founded by Scott Fish, obviously, as, as the name, uh, as the name it tells us. And this is the, the ninth year of SFB. So uh, Scott does obviously some great work bringing the community together. And this year is, is going to be the largest version of the SFB yet. How large is that going to be? We've got 1,200 teams this year, so we're we're looking at um, 112 team leagues. That's that's how it starts. The first uh, the first 11 or 12 weeks of the season, you play against just your your small league, your group of 12 total, and from from that point, we pull out the top scores, the teams with the best records, and they advance to the playoffs starting in uh, in week 12. It's amazing, and there's there's a theme to it um, every year, isn't there? So, what what is this this year's theme um, in terms of how the divisional names have all been thought of, and and uh, how everyone's sort of been placed? Yeah, Scott does a, a great job coming up with themes and uh, taking input and ideas from the community. This year, uh, he went with video games. So, uh, there's uh, some some of your, uh, I guess. Uh, your video games that everybody knows, the Super Mario Brothers and things like that. There's fighting games, sports games, uh, basically every every kind of video game and video game character that that you could imagine is probably represented in this league. And and so those are the uh, the names of the different divisions. Yeah, it's it's, it's incredible. We're in uh, Sweet Tooth. We're in um, that's the name of our division. So we're lucky enough to have some some excellent people in there that we've been getting to know in our Twitter group. And it's great because, again, it's all about community and uh, a lot of people have reached out and uh, it's just been nice to to meet and be acquainted with, with new people, which is just incredible. Um, so what's your, what's your sort of relationship? You obviously know Scott really well. You do a podcast together. How do you assist him in, in this and, and sort of help it make it be as successful as it is? Uh, I, I basically just try to be... Scott's right-hand man in, in this. Uh, this is, uh, again, something he started uh, nine or ten years ago and has been uh, has grown since then. It's a huge undertaking, especially uh, each year he tries to add more teams and give more people a- an opportunity to play. And obviously the more teams you add, the more, uh, the more work it is. So um, I, I've known Scott for a few years now. We've, we've worked together. Uh, on different leagues, on the podcast, we've worked together at DLF, and uh, just I just try to help him out in any way I can. Anything he needs as related to SFB, I, I try to chip in. Whether it's uh, entering some information in in the websites and getting uh, getting some of those set up, or I've been fortunate enough to help him choose some of the participants. That's been a, certainly a fun process because there are so many people that want. Uh, that want to play. I, I think I heard Scott the other day say that he had 12,000 people sign up for this and uh, you want to give everybody a chance. Of course, that that's not realistic. That can't happen. But when you get to send somebody an email or a message on Twitter and uh, tell them that they're invited just to, to see people get excited, it, it feels good. Yeah. I, I remember how we felt when we got our invite this year. It was, um, it was amazing. It was on a Tuesday as well because we were coming to the studio and, uh, it was just amazing. It, it, it's something that 
if you like or love fantasy football and you get involved with it on Twitter and you follow a few analysts, it's almost like this time of year for a few weeks, the, the conversation really all spills back to the SFB. And, you know, we had Sam Lane on, on the podcast um, probably late last year, early this year. In fact, it was before it was Super Bowl week we had him on. Um, and, you know, he was telling us how much playing in it and then eventually winning it has, has changed his life in terms of the people he's got to meet and the opportunities it's, it's given him. And, you know, it's not just because he won, but it's the type of character he is. And um, that's what I love about what it does. It brings people together and it raises a huge amount of money for charity. I mean, how, how much did it raise last year, Ryan? Yeah, so the SFB is just part of... Um of Scott's fantasy cares uh, movement and, and organization that he has started. And as SFB has grown, the attention for fantasy cares and the, the money raised for fantasy cares has grown with it. So last year, um, Scott raised over $44,000 through fantasy cares and, and through SFB and, and the, the large majority of that went to toys for tots. So uh, Scott got to, shop in in the Minneapolis area I, I was able to shop in uh in Louisville in the Kentucky area and, and there were other uh folks from around the industry from around the country here that were able to go shop for toys and and get those toys to uh to kids in need so obviously just uh the, the football league is fun the uh, getting to interact and, and meet some new people is great but to, to me that's really what it's all about and and it, you know, we, we would love to be able to uh, cross that $50,000 threshold this time. That would be great. Absolutely. Well, we, we're going to do our bit to help. We're coming up with ways all the time to, to raise as much money as we can to, uh, to give to the cause. Cause we, you know, fully behind what it does. And I think what, what we really want to do over here as well is really spread the awareness uh, of it um, so that people who, are playing weren't aware of it can almost sort of play along with us we're going to come up with some some videos and and sort of talk about it a little bit and, and sort of spread it so that next year you get more entrants from the uk so rather it be 10 20 or so we can try and get that number up a little bit if there's more room for people you never know but try and get more more people involved but how are how are some ways that uh people who are just hearing about this for the first time or have been following it on twitter how can they um get involved in in this year's even though they're not playing because uh, i know you've got a few events and uh, merchandise and things like that and, and people that they can follow and, and sort of follow alongside and then more importantly how can they then get information to potentially sign up for for next year uh sure there's like you said earlier it seems like this time of year sfb talk on twitter really takes over uh, our community which is it's fun to see I, i've actually seen twice already uh, over the past couple of weeks that SFB nine, that, that hashtag was trending on Twitter, which is uh, re- really a cool thing when you think about it. Uh, as far as signing up for uh, next year's version of the SFB, which uh, SFB 10 is going to be a big one. You can do that on scottfishbowl.com. Uh, I think Scott has actually still has the, the current year sign up uh, as uh, believe it or not, we have about 20 invitations still to send out. So, uh, but I would say in the next week or so, you'll be able to sign up for SFB 10. He'll have that up on scottfishbowl.com. Uh, if you just want to, you know, support the charity, maybe you're not a fantasy player or uh, maybe you are and, and 
even whether you're playing in SFB or not, if you just want to support the cause, support um, Toys for Tots and Fantasy Cares, you can donate at fantasycares.net. There's a donate button there, really pretty, a pretty easy process. As far as other ways to get involved, I know John Bosch uh, is running some eliminator leagues, uh, celebrity eliminator, where you get to uh, you get the chance to draft against uh, some industry folks. I've done a couple of those leagues already and uh, did two or three last year. Those were a lot of fun and and they're perfect for active fantasy players because you get to draft this time of year and then they're best ball leagues. So you don't do anything uh, the rest of the year. You don't trade. You don't set your lineup or anything like that. You just get to uh, you just get to play it out and, and see how it goes. Uh, and then one the lowest scoring team is eliminated each week. Uh, so those those are uh, another good way. Those raise money for uh, for F, for fantasy cares, and they also give you a chance to earn a spot into uh, the Scott Fishbowl. Amazing. And then there's also the uh, the Podathon this weekend. Am I am I right? Yes. Yeah. That starts on Sunday. Um, Sal Lito has has organized that with with some help of some other folks. He is shooting for, I believe, 25 straight hours of uh, fantasy-related podcast uh, heading up to the uh, the start of SFB9. So that's going to start, I believe, midday. Sun- <clears throat> excuse me, midday Sunday, and goes into uh, middle of the day Monday, which is when uh, when the SFB actually kicks off. Uh, so I know Scott and myself and uh, our buddy Dynasty Frank, who we all uh, uh, we all host the Bull Rush uh, podcast, which is has been on a little bit of a hiatus lately. We we've slowed down as as we've all uh, gotten into some other things, but we are going to be uh, on the air for uh, for part of that from ten o'clock until eleven o'clock uh, Eastern time. So we'll be on there. Uh, we'll, we'll be back. And, and again, we're going to have 25 hours of podcasting. That's going to raise some money. And we're also going to, going to be giving away some SFB spots for SFB nine. So again, we, we've still got spots left. If you're not in and you want in, there is, there's still a chance. I'd love for someone from the UK to grab one of those spots. So, um, find out how you can listen to, we had Matt Williams on last week and he talked about the, the podathon. So, um, yeah tune in find out how you can get an entry it'd be great and if you do share it with us we'll share it out it'd be great to, to see someone else for, uh, representing the uk and uh reversing the 1776 result especially since it's fourth <laughs> of july i feel like that's necessary oh, that would hurt <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, i certainly could do with 25 hours straight fantasy advice <laughs> <laughs> well you mentioned that Lee. let's Let's dive into some fantasy football strategy. Obviously, we know you play, Lee. You just did a dynasty draft of us, which you just admitted to us you didn't know was dynasty until it finished, which made it... <laughs> I'm a ve- I am very new to fantasy football, so critique as you like. <laughs> I, I am going to, as the person who set up the league, give myself a bit of coverage here, and I will say that I did put the word dynasty in the title. <laughs> That, that's a pretty good giveaway that it might be Dynasty. <laughs> I, think the, I think the problem is, I knew it was Dynasty, didn't know what Dynasty was. That would be the issue. <laughs> well, you, you know, Lee, 
Lee, don't don't feel bad. That's actually, uh, again, about 15 years ago, that's kind of how I got my start as well. Most people play uh, redraft or, or seasonal leagues where you draft your team in in August and then by December it, it's done and you don't worry with that anymore. But um, I did the same thing. I started with a dynasty league, didn't really know what I was doing at all, and uh, I survived and, and have made it this far. So don't don't feel too bad. So you're saying there's hope. That's all I need. Hope. There is hope. There is hope for sure. Oh, man. Well, if you ever needed something to springboard for the fantasy career, Lee, just listen to Ryan. He he, got, he started there. And so if you now win the Dynasty League, kudos <laughs> to you, sir. <laughs> How do you work out your strategy for the season, Ryan? Or do you not have a strategy and you are you always fluid? Yeah, I think you have to be you have to be fluid. Um, and again, I'm I'm kind of coming from a dynasty perspective, so uh, I feel like I have, um, I, I guess, that base strategy of some things that I always hold with me from year to year. But then you have to you have to analyze uh, what's going on in the league, what's going on with specific teams, and uh, how different positions are being used. Of course, if you go back five or six years ago. Uh, it was the entire dynasty landscape and really fantasy landscape in general was about the wide receiver position building around that. We're talking about uh, guys like Calvin Johnson in their prime and uh, AJ Green, Julio Jones, guys like that were, were really just starting out or still early in their career at that point. And everybody was building around wide receiver where you look at running back at that point and, and there was a real a lack of running back talent and and the way that running backs have been used really since then has has devalued the position now in the past couple of years we've had this influx of running back talent so it has to change your strategy a little bit uh, it was you could five years ago you could do a dynasty draft and you could go five or six rounds without without drafting a running back and you could still you know you could still build a a winning successful team. I would say you probably can't do that at this point. Um, so I still personally, I still tend to build around young players. Um, I, if you look at a dynasty startup draft of mine, it's going to have a lot of rookies, a lot of wide receivers. I'm trying to chase, uh, chase the value on running back and typically not willing to invest a lot into running back because I'm worried about that short shelf life and, and short career span they have. Pretty good advice. Yeah. I, I just find it fascinating with the running backs position going back to that is when I started playing fantasy football in the, in the year 2000, Ryan, you know, you had Marshall Falk, Priest Holmes and the Damien Tonson, and they were like the cheat codes. If you got one of those three guys, you almost nailed onto the playoffs because the rest of the position was, was so bad. And then, yeah, you, as you mentioned, you had this period where running backs sort of didn't matter. Tight ends did. You had the Tony Gonzalez's. And if you had a few of those guys, you, you got a bit of a boost. And now it, it, we're at this place where having one of those three or four stud running backs is almost going back to them, like how um, important it is if you can get one of those guys. It gives you such a good boost at, at the start of the draft. But do you see anything perhaps over the next few years in terms of you know, with the, the usage of running backs where this is just something that's maybe temporary and we might be going back to that wide receiver model? and Or do you think this is it to stay now that coaches have got smart and realized they need to use running backs in order to be successful 
teams, really. No, I think we'll we'll continue to see things change and, and just those those cycles and those trends in the league. And I don't know if, if I could foresee exactly what those would be. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe I'd be in a better position than I am now. But um, still, you look at running backs and they're really being used the same way. And, and even though we just have – we have a lot more talent at the position than we did several years ago, but with – with guys like Barkley, Kamara, McCaffrey, Elliott at the top of the drafts, that has changed things. But the way those running backs are being used, I'm not sure it is so different. Um, so maybe those guys, just because of the talent they have, they have a little bit, uh, I guess, a larger window that you can rely on them. But in general, if you're talking about a, you know, the the 10th or the 20th running back, I still think you you have to view that player in in a window of one or two years. You can't look at that guy and expect him to uh, to be an asset for you in three or four years. Yeah, 100%. Um, I've got a commissioner question, Ryan. I know the commissioner section of the show doc is a little bit later, but it's, it's just come into my head, and I feel like if I don't ask it now, I'll forget it. Sure. What do you do as a commissioner if you've got several players who are inactive and don't respond at all? unless it's in season, I'm talking about dynasty league here. What, what do you do as a commissioner to try and exercise, not power, but how do you get them people more involved or do you just give them a certain amount of time and then just give them the elbow and say, we're after more active people. I'm sorry. Yeah. that I have found, and um, I think I commission at this point um, about 12 leagues and that's, that number is actually down from the past couple of years. So I've, I've got, quite a bit of experience as a dynasty commissioner. And unfortunately there's, there's no great answer with that as far as trying to force activity. I've, I've put things in place in some of my leagues that tried to encourage activity, whether it was uh, always responding to trade offers um, or, or even, I even tried at one point a, a requirement where you had to send trade offers uh, every, every so often. Um, requiring fantasy players, the the people in your league to check into the league side and vote in league polls, things like that. Um, just to keep them, try to keep them active and, and engaged. But ultimately if, if a fan, if a, if a dynasty player doesn't really care what's going on in January or February or March, you really can't make them. So um, yeah, I think ultimately I would just try to, kindly let them know that we're looking for more activity in, in this league. And if that's not for them, then, uh, then maybe they can find a different league. Mm, interesting. That wasn't as definitive as I needed. <laughs> <laughs> Kick them out. Kick them out right now. Well, there you go. Right. That's it. If you're listening to this and you're in my OG dynasty league and you don't make any sort of interaction, I'm giving you 48 hours from Thursday. That's the 4th of July. If you don't do anything, you're out. You heard it here first. Ryan said, don't blame me. Blame Ryan. (laughs) I'll (laughs) be the bad guy. That that makes me an even better commissioner. There's a bad guy. How do you prepare for your drafts, Ryan? Or is there anything you look at preseason that you find key when going into a draft? As far as preparing for for drafts and and leagues and new leagues in general, I think going back to the SFB is, is going to be a great example of that. You've got to be familiar with uh, your league scoring set- settings and um, really just the, all of the rules of the league. You've, you've got to know 
uh, almost inside and out the way players are going to be valued. And, and that's, of course, impacted by the scoring and by uh, starting lineup settings and things like that. So uh, if I'm joining a new league or setting up a new league, that's the first thing I'm doing is becoming familiar with that and thinking about how those, uh, maybe those unique rules will will affect specific player value. So uh, we kind of have an idea if you're talking about just a, a very basic fantasy league we know who the we know who the top players are but um, even just a a slight rule change can affect the value and people uh, people with the first pick in the SFB for example are considering taking Travis Kelsey at first overall and in a typical fantasy league that might sound crazy but you look at the scoring tight ends get uh, one point for every catch they get one point for every uh, first down, which is more than uh, any of the other positions. And, and that's, that's how you get to that point. So that would be the, the very first thing I do is just make sure I understand those rules and settings completely. I did a similar thing to what you were talking about the Scott Fishbowl with my brother-in-law. We co-owned the team, uh, Josh, respect drink. Um, and we would tight end premium and it was 16 league team. I think it was 16 team league tight end premium. And I, we were drafting at eight, and I said we need to consider one of the top three tight ends if they make it to us at eight. And Kelsey made it to us at eight, and then Josh put an argument for not drafting him. And I said, well, ultimately, it's your team, but if one of them makes it back to us uh, second round, we have to take one because of the value on the tight end premium. And Kelsey did make it back to us because maybe people, like you were saying, didn't know the league scoring. So that is a huge fa- uh, tip. Just yeah. I'm sorry, that's that's a good point. I didn't mention the league size, but typically we kind of think 12-team leagues. But if, it is a, if it's a 16-team league, that's going to give a lot more value to the tight end position, uh, to quarterbacks, to running backs, anywhere where you, where you might see some, uh, I guess, a lack of depth at a specific position is, is going to boost those. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess one, one of the things I'd like to do, uh, Ryan, here is – is we've got Lee here as well. Um, Lee's just done his first dynasty draft, as we mentioned. What are some piece of advice you would give to players for one reaching out and doing a dynasty league? We we talk about why you should, but it'd be good to hear it from, from someone like yourself. And and then on top of that, what is some real sort of key points uh, of things to, to try and aim for when you're setting up your, your team, just some pointers just to help people get started in their first ever dynasty draft? Uh, sure. I, I guess the f- the first thing I would always say when talking about uh, or, or making the decision about trying Dynasty, the Dynasty format, I, I think about the end of the the end of the fantasy football season, and I, I feel like you have two groups of people. You you either have the the people who are glad it's over and they're ready to you know to <laughs> go on with their life or or move to basketball season or or whatever it might be they're they're just done they're ready to move on those people are probably not right for dynasty uh but then you have the other group and uh these these are the group this is the group of people we like that are disappointed that the season's over they're still interested in free agency they're uh, following college football and and watching bowl games they're watching the playoffs even though uh, the fantasy season's over. Uh, they're they're interested in the NFL draft and and all that's going on in the off season. If that's you, then you should probably be playing 
in a dynasty league. So that's, that's the barometer that I always use or the litmus test that I always use to see if dynasty is, is going to be right for you. Uh, as far as tips for those newer players, to me, it all comes down to player value. I've, I've been collecting uh, ADP data, that average draft position data for my side at DLF for, for several years now. And so, so maybe I'm a little biased, but I think understanding that player value, where a player is probably going to get drafted in the new startup draft, I think that's the most important thing. And, and then even once you're into the league, you're one or two or three years in, understanding the player trade value is obviously going to help you become a better fantasy player. It's going to help you maximize the value of your players when you're talking trade with your league mates. Yeah, we mentioned that in our uh, podcast last week or this week about how understanding what people are worth and and trading in a way that's you're trading not because you need to, because you want to increase the strength of your team. That's important as well. I had the same problem during the draft process of trying to put my own personal bias aside rather than just, uh, that's a player that I like. Not necessarily going to help my team I don't think so you know it's hard sometimes to do that but yeah I mean I I think that at the end of the year that's what I'll look back on and say that's caused me a bit of an issue because I should have picked up some players that I may not be a big fan of personally but they would definitely have helped my team yeah Murph famously once said he would trade his own mother if it made his team better so (laughs) it's true uh it's all about the W's um (laughs) but it's funny you mentioned that Lee because I think one of one of the questions that someone gave to me last week, but I'd be interested actually in, in the three of yours opinion is someone was approaching me and basically they, they asked the question to me, does not drafting Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt, and I can't remember who the other player was. We'll just keep... go back to me. I think it, it was, it was a premium player. It might have been C. Kelly. It might have been. I don't think it was because I thought I would have remembered it. But basically, it was three players with severe character issues. And this player was basically saying that they didn't want to draft these players because they couldn't support what they have done. And for them, that's just a no-no on their team. No matter, like, fantasy football to him is fun, and therefore he wouldn't feel comfortable owning those players. And well, it's your team. You've got to do right by you and saying don't worry about the loss of position it's you've got to sleep at night it's your team and you've got to to stand by it but what what would you say to people who are kind of on the fence not necessarily with character issues but with players that they you know have ruined their team's playoff hopes in the past I mean what what would you sort of say to a stance like that and have you heard anyone that's taken the similar stance to this person who said I'm not drafting these players because of their character concerns oh yeah I've, I've heard that quite a bit and I think that's um, it is, it is kind of a personal decision. And, um, I mean, pers- for me, I'm, I feel like I'm able to, to separate those things. And I don't, I don't think having Tyreek Hill or Kareem Hunt on, on my fantasy football team, I don't think that makes me a supporter of those players and, and certainly doesn't make me a supporter of, uh, of the the choices that they've made, which which we would all agree are uh, are, are pretty terrible. So, but if, if that's your stance, your friend's stance, or, or anybody else's, I don't have a problem with that at all. Um, because in the end, I think uh, I think it is 
it is all about fun. And I mean, there's, there's some people out there who play fantasy football and, and all they care about is winning or all they care about is making money. Uh, but I think having fun with it is, is a big part of it for the large majority of people. Um, so to me, I say if, if there's a player you just can't stomach on your roster, whether it's because of something serious like these, um, these off-field violations, or if he just plays for, you know, your team's rival or something like that. I, I, uh, one of the guys in my league recently said he didn't want any Dallas Cowboys on his roster because he's a big Eagles fan. So that's, that's fine too. I mean, you're, you might be giving up a, a little bit of leverage there or, or losing some value at some point. But I, I think I think that's fine. Where do you stand on this, Lee? I know you said you pick some people that maybe you personally enjoy as players, as opposed to. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to the players of character concerns, I'll be honest. If they're going to be playing, then I've got no problem with picking them because I don't see. For me, it, it's not me endorsing what they've done or what they're accused of or anything. It's just if I don't pick them, someone's going to beat me with them. So I mean, like you said, I can separate one from the other which is, is fine. But then again, I also can't stomach picking players with the teams that I don't like. like. You're not going to find me picking too many Patriots players because it's just that's just my personal bias. So, I mean, that sounds completely completely backwards in its logic, but that, you? that's the way I am. I, you know, I, I kind of um, have no problem with a, with, with a bias against uh, a player or a, t- or a team. But I'd say the, the actual character concerns wouldn't affect me personally. That wouldn't yeah. be... I, I, although I wouldn't necessarily want some of those players to play for for my team in real life. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, like Ryan said, you know, if if you want to draft who you want to draft because you either like the team or you don't, that's how you want to play fantasy football. I've got absolutely no qualms with that. And then I'm exactly the same as you, Lee. I have character issues. I'll draft you all day long because I'm not endorsing what they've done. I'm not standing in their corner. I don't even know the guy. I've never met the guy. I'm literally using his statistics to try and win my fantasy football matchups. And if Tyreek Hill gets two or four game ban and I've drafted him in the eighth round as my fourth wide receiver, thanks very much. It's just the number that I'm going to use to increase my chances of winning. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of the key is uh, with Ryan, the fact that you can differentiate them. It's not like you're investing in these people from a monetary standpoint or political standpoint or anything you know, the game is about numbers. It's about having fun, but ultimately it's, 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 as you say, it's using their numbers, their statistics and what they're going to do. I think if you were buying their jerseys, you were, you know, publicly endorsing them um, for what they've done. That's something completely different. I can separate myself out because one is a, it's fake football. It's a, you know, it's a game of numbers, statistics and analytics, which I play with my friends for fun and have a lot of fun doing. And having any player on my team, it doesn't doesn't matter. I'm not advocating for them in any way. I'm not really rooting for them in any way. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter if I took Tyreek Hill in a league and he was banned for the season, I would be like, fine. It doesn't matter. Like I'd I'd almost want that to happen for what's happened, but I don't think it matters. It was Joe Mixon, by the way. I had to look it up as the other player. Well, hey, look, you know, Lev Bell set out all last year, and if you drafted him, you were unfortunate, and it's. It's the same sort of thing statistically as it is for drafting character concern issues. I mean, as a newbie, I might not have drafted a lot of players because of not because of the character issue as such, but be, it'd be the suspension that would have stopped me from drafting them because of, my concern is just not having them 
play for that that amount of weeks, but it's not really anything to do with what they did. It's just some more together the suspension. Yeah, I know a player can go down at any time injured, but if I know the suspension's coming, then I may have swerved them. That is probably just the novice in me that would, you know, that would have caused me to make hey, those no, decisions. Look, you know, uh, I quite often draft for safety, and I would rather know that my players are safe players and they will give me a consistent than drafting people who are boom or bust at certain ranges, you know, to get to the end of the draft and then you're looking at upside always because you want to get those big hit players or dart throws. But I'm, I'm all, especially in trades, I will stack my trades with safety as opposed to risk because that's how I like to do it. So there's, you know, there's no problem with that. Um, Ryan, I've got a question for you and we have quite a lot of questions about being commissioners and stuff like that. And I feel that the time we have left, we can't do commissioner stuff justice. So would you like to come back and do a commissioner-based podcast later on in the year if you had time? Sure, I would love to. That'd be good. And then I think we can we could give being a commissioner and commissioner questions and stuff like that more of a, a hard topic as opposed to glaze over it and miss maybe something maybe. That's good, okay. So Ryan, the consensus ranks out there are ranging from, you know, Murph and I have all the rankings all the way over to fantasy pros and stuff like that. And I imagine you have your own rankings or at least players you have in a list of who you like where. Do do you have anybody that you are considerably higher on than the fantasy football community consensus ranks? Um, yeah, I feel like I've got a few actually. Um, one player that I've I've found myself drafting both in in dynasty drafts and in in seasonal leagues is Damian Harris, uh, the the Patriots rookie running back. I've uh, like so many other people, I've got some real concerns about Sony Michelle. I think he was overdrafted last year. I think he was, I don't know. I, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to criticize the way the Patriots use players given their, their success over the years. But um, if you watched him, if you watched Ms. Michelle play for Georgia and then you watched him play for the Patriots, it looked like two different players. And whether that's related to the, the knee issue or, it just the choices that they made with his usage. I was I was really disappointed that he wasn't used in a more dynamic way, used as a receiver more often. Um, so that's all of that together has me selling Sony Michelle if, if I can, and uh, for for a lot of those reasons, by default buying Damian Harris. So I I have high hopes for Damian Harris, not just in dynasty leagues, but uh, this year as well. Marvelous, and then. On the flip side of that, do you have anyone that you're seriously lower than consensus rankings on? Yeah, we were we were actually talking about this last night on the DLF Dynasty podcast, and just looking at looking at ADP, you've got Patrick Mahomes as uh, as basically a top twenty five, top thirty player in Dynasty, and you know if you listen to to JJ JJ Zacharyson's work, and and of course the, the late round QB on Twitter. And that's really what he's he's almost based his career on the idea of waiting on quarterback in fantasy drafts. And now Patrick Mahomes comes off this record breaking season, his first season as a starter, and he's a top 30 pick in dynasty drafts. And the more we chatted about that last night, the the crazier it seems that you could wait three or four or five rounds and get Andrew Luck or Deshaun Watson, or Baker Mayfield, or or even if you want to chase that upside, you could get Kyler Murray. So I'm I've just this is kind of a, a new revelation for me, but 
I think Patrick Mahomes is just greatly overvalued right now. His season last year was the number one fantasy season from a quarterback ever. And, and that's not going, he's not going to repeat that. That's not going to happen again. And that doesn't mean he won't be good. It doesn't mean he won't be a fantasy football starter, but we can't ever expect those same numbers from him again. And as, as his numbers dip, even if it's only slightly, his value is going to dip as well. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I don't even have Mahomes as my QB one this year in rankings. Right. There's, there's been a lot of, I don't know who yours is, but there's been a lot of push lately for Deshaun Watson as the QB one in seasonal leagues. And, and if he is, if, if Watson is the QB one in 2019 and and that's how he finishes, then he's probably going to move up to QB one in dynasty rankings as well, because even though we're, we're playing dynasty and we like to say that we have a three-year window or a five-year window, it's, we're really just, you know, there's a lot of recency bias out there. Uh, Whatever, whatever happened last year, we think that's going to happen again. Yeah. So for me, I went with, uh, I went with Aaron Rodgers. Um, And the reason I think it's Rodgers is his touchdown rate was, at such a low point and it wasn't due to targets or scheme. It was down to guys like MVS and Allison and, and Jimmy Graham not making plays. And I just think the statistical output of that continuing is just not going to happen continuously. Like the efforts there. And I think with a new play caller, I think with a, a slightly tweaked scheme, I think he's going to get a huge bump in, in touchdowns without seeing a huge uh, regression in interceptions because he's probably the safest pair of hands there is. And I, I don't think he's going to throw a lot more touchdowns than say Mahomes or, or, or luck, but I just think he just doesn't throw those picks. And ultimately in the fine margins of, I think you can throw a blanket over one, two, three, four this year. I don't think it's going to be a huge jump. I think for me, the the only reason, the only area I see him having a significant advantage is just those INTs. I just think he throws a lot less than Mahomes Watson and, and Luck this year. Nice. Yeah. Well, we'll see how my rankings pan out, but I'm not sure that I'll have Rogers. I don't even know where or who I'm having one yet. I need to finish my running back rankings before I move on to quarterback. And they're taking way too long as it is. <laughs> so, Ryan, last question. Can you give us one seriously spicy hot take for fantasy football this season? Yeah, I would, I would have to go back to Damian Harris. Uh, I think he's going to finish as a, as a top 15 running back this year. I don't think we have to wait until 2020 or 2021 to see him produce. Uh, as I said, really concerned about Sony Michelle. And, and even if both the guys are healthy, I just think Damian Harris is better. He, uh, at, at Alabama, he was, the, he was the number one running back recruit in his class. It seems like we forget that. And he's kind of been labeled as a as a boring prospect or a boring player and I don't I don't think that's really fair but he kept he kept Josh Jacobs on the bench he kept Najee Harris on the bench who is another uh, number one running back class and number number one running back in his own recruiting class it just seems like Damian Harris has always been underrated and undervalued as a player and and that's continuing so I'm I'm gladly taking the discount on a player that I think is is really going to perform well this year. Nice. That's news to that's uh, music to my ears, I should say. I've got Harris in quite a few dynasty places already, so I'm enjoying that. Lee, we couldn't finish off without asking you for a Dolphins projection for the year record. How do you think they're going to go? I'm going to be honest. I know a lot of people have them being one of the worst teams in the league. If that's the case, that would scare me a lot because it means they've got the coaching decision wrong. 
good coaches don't finish with three wins. So I mean, I see them more in the five six range. They're not they're not going to be great. They they are building that you know that's obvious. Can't gloss over that. But um, yeah, I see them in the sort of five to six win range. If they were to win seven or eight, then to me they just you can say they've got the right coach and the staff in place, and that's I would consider that a fantastic season. Excellent news. Yeah, it's just basically trying to avoid the Steve Wilkes situation of last year. Yeah, exactly. I, I just I don't think. Coaches that go on to be successful don't start off with two, two, three win seasons. No, do you know what I mean? So we, you know, you've got to avoid that. Even if people consider the roster to be untalented, I mean, I think there's a quite a few players there that, even with my bias aside, they're good, they're serviceable. If you went and took them and put them in the Patriots, they'd say much better things about them. Mm. So I, you know, I think to to get five or six wins is actually an obtainable, you know, an obtainable amount of wins for the season. I agree with that. Yeah, it's fair. It's fair. So, Ryan, why don't you let Rush Nation know where they can find you on Twitter and, and all your details like that? Uh, sure. You can find me on Twitter at RyanMC23. You can find my work at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and RotoWorld, uh, RotoWorld.com as well. Brilliant. Well, Murph will be in contact about the commissioner special that we've just penciled in, which is exciting news. Um. Thank you so much for coming on, Ryan. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, guys. Thanks for having me on. It was it was a fun time. No, and I've said it already, but happy happy 4th of July. Thanks for spending it with us Redcoats and uh, go out and enjoy the fireworks. Well, I mean, maybe not fireworks, <laughs> but uh, the, the cookout and hopefully the weather's nice there and you can just uh, uh, maybe get some bourbon and enjoy it. That's right. That's right. Get, getting back to the festivities. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, you're more than welcome Lee thanks for coming along buddy great to have you pleasure to see you Murph I will see you soon Rush Nation as always keep rushing HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.